it doesn't get more democratic. They're saying our democracy is dying, our democracy is in danger. One, the Supreme Court is a democratic process. The, the Supreme Court is actually a pure democracy. There are nine people, each one gets a vote. Popular vote always wins. There's no electoral college within the Supreme Court. Everyone got a vote, your side lost. You can't say that this is anti-democracy when nine people vote and now you're upset because the, the numbers didn't fall in your favor. Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host, the original uncloseted conservative, and you are watching or listening to The Joe Mobley Show on, well, anywhere except for YouTube, podcast, radio, Getter, uh, Locals. What are those other platforms? I guess I'm still on Facebook. Facebook hasn't uh, taken me down. Maybe, maybe I'm not being spicy enough, but uh, if you're looking for the Joe Mobley Show, you are in the right place, guys. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, the SCOTUS decision, not because no one's talking about it. We, we spoke about this last week, but of course, over the weekend, uh, there was one, senseless violence for no reason, uh, but two, a steady stream of bullcrap from left-wing politicians uh, and from mainstream media sources like CNN, like MSNBC, CBS, etc., uh, that was just a bunch of made-up nonsense. So we're going to be looking at some of the facts. We're going to be looking at the actual decision, you know, hear it from the horse's mouth, not the secondhand uh, nonsense. And you can use your reasoning abilities uh, to see if what they said is what they said or if what, you know, lying liberal media said is what they said. Guys, The Joe Mobley Show is presented by Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold are the best in the biz for helping you shelter some of your hard-earned earnings in a tax-sheltered precious metals IRA. All you got to do to learn more and to get their free info kit is text Mobley to 989898. That's Mobley to 989898. Many of you aren't interested or don't think you're interested in uh, precious metals. Here's the thing. They've got the free info kit for you. You should at least take a look at it, uh, see what they say about precious metals, see what the facts are. You know, This episode is about facts. Uh, this offer is about getting you facts. When you're uncertain, when, when you know there's a, a lack of clarity and you're trying to make judgments, it can be very difficult. So uh, get the facts, get them from Birch Gold Group, text Mobley to 989898 today. All right, so let's let's do our uh, fact checking thing. Lots of Lego mumbo jumbo today, um, so I will apologize in advance. I've got the full mason jar because uh, dry mouth is a real thing, especially when you're you're trying to 
uh, read these $10 words that these justices uh, learn in law school. So before we get into this, um, you know, I kind of teased in the locals community uh, with some of you all uh, who follow me there. And hey, if you don't, djmobleyshow.com slash locals. You know that I love locals. It's the internet done right. It's where I put my most uh, intimate content, I guess, if you will. Not intimate like OnlyFans, intimate like, you know, pictures of my kids and uh, group hangouts, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's over on locals. Um, but here's the thing. Oh, wait, when I started into that, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Hmm, that's what happens when you start the show uh, 30 minutes uh, late. Do, 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 do. Mm. Nope. The thought is gone. Um, oh yeah. I teased on locals that I was going, uh, to the Loudoun pride festival, you know, the first pride festival or whatever, uh, in Loudoun County. Um, I did do that. It was insanely hot. Like, you know, obviously I'm not a member of the community, but props to you guys for being out there. I know you guys is offensive since there are um, 8,000 pronouns all of a sudden, but it was hot. Like it sucked out there. It was so freaking hot. Um, so we are chopping up that content right now for you guys and we'll, um, we'll have it, uh, available. I'll be doing some, some features, uh, based on it. But the thing is when I spoke to people, um, many of them were saying things like they're coming after our rights. We're going to, you know, th this is setting us back X, Y, or Z. And what, what no one could satisfactorily do for me is bridge the gap between abortion on demand and LGBTQ, LMNOP, AI plus rights. Um, from my understanding, I guess, of human sexuality and biological truths, only the smallest percentage of the, the community um, uh, is abortion even an issue for them. Because, you know, gay, okay, so gay men. Gay men are not plagued by accidental pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy, for obvious reasons. Gay men have to go through extraordinary lengths to become pregnant. It's not even the right word, but to, you know, family plan or whatever, to decide that they want to have a child. Lesbian women plagued with the same problem. Uh, they, <laughs> they don't suffer from many unwanted pregnancies. Again, uh, you know, two XX people having sex, whatever that is uh, to them, they they don't experience many unplanned pregnancies. Two XY individuals, same thing. I guess the B, I guess bisexuals, maybe maybe have a, a halfway chance or whatever. I mean, the, the chances would be significantly reduced. Um, trans, again, not a large, not a huge problem in the trans community, accidental pregnancy. Uh, Q, I'll be honest, I don't even know what Q means. I, I still don't. Several people have tried to explain it to me. Here's the deal. If I can't understand it, I'm, I'm a highly educated individual and it just makes no sense. Um, it's, it's probably bullcrap is what it is. Uh, so good luck to the kids trying to grasp this stuff. 
Um, but here's the thing. There is no bridge between overturning Roe v. Wade via the, the Dobbs v. Jackson case. There's no bridge from there to LGBTQ issues. There's no bridge from there to racism. Uh, again, there I, I spoke to a woman, and her interview was probably the most interesting, the most enlightening uh, of my interviews that I had. And um, and she was making the case that this was, you know, that this could be an attack against uh, against black women, and and that something to the effect of like abortion disproportionately impacts black women or minority women. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're actually on to something. We agree uh, because Margaret Sanger, you know, they put these Planned Parenthoods. It was a population controlled device for the purpose of limiting. Uh, the birth of, of black babies. So I thought we were on the same page. And then she kind of flipped the script and was like, no, it's about easy access. They're trying to make the access harder. That doesn't make any sense because the clinics are in all of the black communities. It's actually harder. You know, white people have to travel further. It, it just doesn't make sense. Basically, how they've dropped election boxes, ballot boxes all over the nation. You can think of Planned Parenthood like that. Um, they are all over the freaking place and they're closing their doors now. And you'll see they're closing their doors in black communities. And that's what a lot of these, these articles, these stories, these quotes from politicians and from mainstream media, they're saying, uh, we, we got to get out in front of this. We told you that this would happen. Look, they're closing down Planned Parenthoods all over in these black communities. They're closing down Planned Parenthood and, and they're saying it because, you know, trying to restrict access. Uh, to healthcare from Black women. The problem is they're not restricting access to healthcare. Planned Parenthood does not provide healthcare. They provide abortions. They provide abortions on demand, and they are overjoyed to be aborting Black babies. So that, that's just true. That is a fact. That is, that is a core tenet of why they were created. Um, and, you know, as they say, they could not take a policy stand that was pro-segregation, Okay. Um, this, this wasn't like a Plessy v. Ferguson thing, you know, Jim Crow laws. That era had died off, and it was no longer acceptable to make that your public-facing stance. So to call that rose by another name, they said these women need to be able to have abortions. They need to be able to have this health care readily available, um, guys, which is total nonsense. So they're closing up shops in, quote, Black communities because they're they're not being defunded. It's almost like they're effectively being outlawed in some places because these states are saying, you know, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin has signaled that he is okay. He, he is ready to sign uh, legislation in Virginia that would limit it down to 15 weeks, um, which is great. You know, uh, outlawing it period would be better, but you know, from abortion on demand up until the moment of birth to limit it to 15 weeks. That is a huge win. People need to uh, get on board with that. But they're closing these things down because that's how Planned Parenthood gets their money is from aborting uh, minority babies and aborting uh, babies in low-income areas. That's how they're getting all of their income. That's what they exist to do. It's not mammograms. It's not pap smears. It's not all this other BS nonsense that they have sold this false bill of goods to you uh, it, it's not any of that. They said that it was, they lied. It's not. Um, so they don't have the funds. They don't have the cash coming in to continue on. 
oh well, too bad, so sad. Uh, so you may have noticed this. Apparently, now, after the decision, you know, June 24, 2020, what an awesome day this decision came out where, you know, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, they wanted to stop, uh, you know, just wanted to stop at the Mississippi case. And of course, uh, the other five, you know, more right-leaning justices said, no, uh, we are leveraging this opportunity to overturn Roe because it's bad law, not because we're pro-life, not because, you know, X, Y, or Z, but because it's bad law. Um, So we're overturning it. Apparently, since that moment in history, it is now acceptable to say whatever you want about Black people, um, to use whatever slur, epithet, to, to use whatever, you know, terrible phrase uh, against black men, so long as that black man is a United States Supreme Court justice named Clarence Thomas, because he is being called everything. I've seen more uncensored N words on Twitter and and all over the internet in the last like four days that I have my whole entire life. And apparently, you know, this stuff used to be abhorrent and racist, but now if it's pointed at Clarence Thomas or pointed at uh, Candace Owens. Larry Elder, any black person that disagrees with you, and you don't even have to be black, like all of these white celebrities and athletes and stuff, throwing out all these terms, like it is insane. Um, You know, this is the same guy who withstood the social lynching put on by then Senator Joe Biden, who's now former vice president of the United States. Uh, this, This is the same guy, you know, who obviously had this brilliant legal career, went to law school, became a lawyer, became a judge, became a United States um, Supreme Court justice. It, it's really insane. And, you know, again, I was getting into it with this woman that I was having this interview with, trying to get information out of her. You know, I was dressed up in my woke garb at the Pride Festival um, and recognizing that there's a real danger to fall into appeals to authority, uh, recognizing that there's a danger to fall into that, but prudence suggests at least considering uh, the merits of said authority. Um, So when I I was talking to her about substantive due process, which we're going to talk about um, later in the show, and what my understanding was and what five of the United States Supreme Court justices understanding um, is, well, not five because uh, Kavanaugh didn't, you know, hang his hat on that. We'll just say Clarence Thomas, Um, you know, who it was interesting in the course of our talk, she said like judge, like, you know, one judge almost in a demeaning derogatory kind of way. And I, you know, she was white. I'm I'm black. It was kind of funny because when I pushed back against this, she apologized profusely. This isn't some judge in random uh, any town USA. This is a sitting. This is the senior most justice on the United States Supreme Court. Okay, that's not some judge. That is literally one of the most brilliant legal minds in the world living today and in the history of the world. That's who this some judges, um, which is apparently Jess. 
out on the internet now, it's just run-of-the-mill N-word is, is what they're calling Clarence Thomas, which is so interesting. I don't like cancellation. I don't like, you know, leftum taking over the world. But I hope that a lot of these people are called out at a later date by their HR and maybe by employees um, who come on and are seeing these tweets and videos and stuff and saying, hey, it's actually not acceptable that this person said or did this uh, about Clarence Thomas or about any black person. Um, and I hope these people are fired because, like, it's not. Just get on. I'm not going to play any of those videos, but get on Twitter and take a look for yourself. Um, here, let me make sure I got this window up so I can... So I can see your chats. If you've got any chats, you can go ahead and just throw them up there. Well, actually, if you're on Facebook and you got chats, you can throw them up there. I can see them. Uh, if you're not, then mm, I can open. I can open the Rumble and get our windows on here. Yeah, but apparently, you know, Clarence Thomas, you can say anything uh, about black people. You could use anything under the sun. So long as it's that black person. Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. All right. So while this pulls up, what we're going to be getting into going through the opinion is is due substantive due process. So of course, due process is, um, you know, due process is having your day in court. There, there is a process, whether it's civil or criminal. Um, there's that process where evidence needs to be produced, uh, where claims need to be substantiated. Um, you know, the, the civil standard more reasonable than not, or 51, 49% type thing, criminal standard beyond a reasonable shadow of the doubt. Uh, there's no possible way that anything other than the thing being alleged happened in this manner by this, you know, uh, offender, by this, by the defendant. Um, that's the standard. Well, there's this due process clause. Um, it comes from the 14th Amendment, uh, and it's held to guarantee that some rights are that are not mentioned in the Constitution, substantive, substantive due process, uh, but any such rights must be deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Um, I don't know why this this is actually a typo. This is this substantive. Uh, um yeah, so substantive due process uh comes out of the due process comes from the fifth and fourteenth amendment, but this concept, air quotes of substantive due process, comes out of the fourteenth amendment. Uh and it holds that these are unseen rights. These are rights that aren't implicitly stated in the Constitution. Um, they're they're unseen. If you've got the special decoder ring that only liberal Supreme Court justices get, uh, the creative writing ring that only liberal Supreme Court justices get, and you get those special glasses from National Treasure where you can see the invisible ink and in between the lines and the invisible roadmap where it reveals to you um, all of these rights that aren't stated. Um, and, and you can hear the voice of the founding fathers whispering in your ear. It, it's a bunch of nonsense. And what they say for these made-up nonsense rights um, is that they must be deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. A bunch of problems with that. 
This is why Roe v. Wade was bad law because they were they said at the time that Roe v. Wade was passed that it was deeply rooted in the nation's history or tradition. That's false. Um, it was outlawed in more than half the states and the mega majority. I think it was 30 or 31 of the 50 states um, had outlawed abortion at the time. And many of the others had harsh restrictions on it, you know. So it's not, you know, by their def- by their definition of the made up concept of substantive due process applied to Roe v. Wade, it fails the first test. It, it, it is, it's not deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. Uh, exactly the opposite is deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition uh, or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Um, so what that means is if this right is not upheld, if it's not recognized and granted to all, uh, then ordered liberty basically kind of fails. So that, that there is not ordered liberty, um, you know, this law and order this, you know, benign influence of the good laws under a free government that we experience, the the um the ever favorite object of George Washington's heart that we experience is not true any longer if the right is isn't recognized. So if we don't recognize abortion, if we don't let uh women unilaterally without any you know, reason without any consultation of the dad, because if there is a pregnancy, there is a mom and a dad, period. It's the only way that it can happen. Um, if we just allow them to kill these babies under the auspices of medical privacy, uh, everything's good. If we don't allow that, then ordered liberty kind of disintegrates. No, this is not implicit in the concept of ordered liberty that women need to be able to kill babies. You know, you look in California, you look at Maryland where they have this post-birth, the words in law, post-birth abortion, where one day, two day, three days, out to 20 days, out to 28 days, where you can go in and like a, like a warranty, like a return policy, except you're murdering a child, you can go in and say, ah, we thought about it. We actually don't want to keep this baby. I actually don't want to keep this baby uh, and have it killed, have, have your infant, no longer in the womb, but in arms, executed at the hands of a doctor. And when we're talking about equal under law, you know, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm, I'm a husband. If we're going to allow this, this type of medical autonomy, then that would literally mean my wife and I conceive, we get pregnant. Uh, you know, we have the baby, she has the baby. Um, and say I'm off at work or whatever. And when the baby's two weeks old, she goes and has it killed. I, I come home from work and and I say, wait a minute, one, two, three, four, where, where's number five? And she could just say, oh, you know, I, I decided that I wanted to do a post-birth abortion and, and that child with a name and with clothes and that you've been playing with and feeding and, um, you know, giving little baths and reading Bible stories to you. I, I took it to have to have it murdered, really. But to say, you know, my wife obviously would never do something like this. But think about that when we're talking about equality under law. Um, you know, where these decisions have just totally—they've screwed up women because reproductive health uh, is permanently damaged by abortion. Uh, emotional, uh, mental health is permanently damaged by abortion. You look at these movie scenes I was noticing the other day, 
whenever you see on TV or in the movies, whenever you see an abortion scene, um, two things. They show in the waiting room or the nurse or doctor comes out and gets the patient. They never show you any part of the procedure. They never show you. It's always the lead up, which is like very emotional. And um, they make a big deal out of the fact, I got something in my eye. I'm just going to keep talking while I try and work this out. Uh, They make a big deal out of the fact you're in the waiting room and then boom, it always skips to after. And so that's thing one. They never show it. They just skip right over it. And number two is it's always emotionally tense. Um, There's a sorrowful sadness kind of hanging over the scenes, the characters, the mood after the abortion. Always. It's never like, um, you know, scenes going to the gym or you come out and you feel like, good, I'm so glad that I got that workout in. I feel the endorphins. I feel uplifted. It's never like um, post-wedding scenes where there's celebration. It's almost always like when you look at movie magic and, and just making stuff for TV, it's almost always the same script, the same footnotes and character expression notes as a funeral scene when someone has died. Because that's true. You know, a lot of times they try and mimic reality with these things based on how uh, people speak about the experience from interviews, uh, based on documentaries following people going through these abortions. And what they've observed is it's always a sorrow-filled event. It always has more funeral vibes. It, it's it's nothing to be celebrated. It, it's because it's murder. And We're we're trying to move, we're trying to move in states to where uh, moms can take their babies out and have them killed uh, without dad knowing, and it's just oh, it's medical privacy. Um, freaking liberal logic is is really something special. It really is. All right, so let's look. Let's look at some of the nonsense here. Um, what's being said about the decisions. So that's not true. Uh, who is this? Uh, Breyer's dissent saying, um, hmm, he's saying that this is going to impact poor women. What, what the text is, the highlight text says, uh, the poor women who cannot get the money to fly to a distant state for a procedure above all others, women lacking financial resources will suffer from today's decision. Uh, skips ahead. Some states may block women from traveling out of state to, to obtain abortions. Uh, that's that's going to be exceedingly rare, if at all. Also, um, there's nothing. If you are the type of person that needs to have abortion on demand, that you need it, you see it as a fundamental right. Like people move to the United States for freedom, um, for control over their, uh, you know, the fruits of their labors, the ability to start a business, uh, the ability to move freely throughout this huge piece of real estate we got here, coast to coast, border to border. You can do that. Um, you are not. Anyone who feels like they're going to be under this, there's no reason for them not to live in California, Maryland, Wisconsin, uh, any of these crap hole leftist controlled states that are, you know, plus eight, plus 10, plus 12 Democrat states. If they're so great and utopic, then just move there, you know, high crime, high taxes, 
um, outrageously expensive uh, home buying. You know, why why are you living in Texas and Florida and and Tennessee or whatever? Why are you living in those places? So again, this is bullcrap. Uh, going down to more most threatening of all, no language in today's decision stops the federal government from prohibiting abortions nationwide without exceptions for rape and incest. That, sir, is a lie. That's not true. Um, the decision is literally saying, uh, I got it right here. Let's see. Let's find, uh, let's, where's Kavanaugh's? Uh, oh, I think I closed Kavanaugh. Here, let me pull up, um, let me pull up Kavanaugh's. The Fed is breathing down the stock market's neck. Investors are unloading risks like you wouldn't believe. Don't take my word for it. Just pull up your investment account and watch your portfolio go down like a fuel meter in a car with a hole in the gas tank. Despite widespread agreement that inflation was not going to happen, Bidenomics has swept the nation and has met one thing and one thing only out-of-control inflation. Energy costs are up, fuel costs are up, rent, mortgages are up, and gas has risen to heights never reached in our nation's more than 240-year history. Maybe you thought crypto was the answer. Today, crypto is in a full-blown crash, with Bitcoin down 75% from its $68,000 yearly high, setting around $21,000 today. Guys, Forbes says a crypto winter is coming. This is bad, really bad. Before you throw up your hands in utter frustration, grab your cell phone and text Mobley to 989898. Once you do that, help is delivered directly to your phone in the form of a free info kit from Birch Gold. No one knows precious metals investing like the experts over at Birch Gold, and they're standing by ready to guide you through rolling over your traditional IRA or 401k into their tax-sheltered precious metals IRAs. Guys, you got to do this today. Text Mobley to 989898 to learn how. Help is just a text away. Text Mobley to 989898 before it's too late. Listen, I've got thousands and thousands of followers on social media, and maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're on Twitter, Getter, Truth, Facebook, who knows? Maybe you've sent me a message and you never heard back. Maybe you wish there were a more exclusive app where I posted my most personal interactions, did Zoom hangouts and other things with fans of the show. That's exactly what's happening over in my Locals community. Locals is a social media platform you need to join and join today. Locals is the first social media platform built not just for users, but for content creators as well. They know creators like me want to own our content, speak freely, and interact with our audience. Really connect. That's you. Join my Locals community today by downloading the Locals app and searching for Joe Mobley or going to thejoemobleyshow.com slash locals. If you want to experience the internet done right, 
Get exclusive access to content, discount codes, early product launches, and more. Join my locals community today, thejoemobleyshow.com slash locals. So here are some things we know. We know Joe Biden is doing a terrible job as president. We know gas prices are so high, used bike sales have gone through the roof. We know Biden inflation is continuing to drive our economy into the ground. We also know Mike Lindell over at MyPillow makes the best pillows on the market. But I bet you didn't know this. MyPillow has hundreds of products that aren't even pillows. While poor leadership in the White House is causing prices to soar in virtually every industry, Mike and his team at MyPillow are working hard to do just the opposite. In fact, if you go to MyPillow.com slash Mobley right now, you'll see just what I'm talking about. Pillows, bathrobes, sleepwear, and more at record low prices. You worked hard to help Mike defeat cancel culture. Now he's working hard to help you get the best quality products for the absolute lowest price. Go to www.mypillow.com slash Mobley or type in promo code Mobley anywhere on the website. Mobley is spelled M-O-B-L-E-Y. Go to mypillow.com slash Mobley and save today. I got Twitter over here. Uh, Let's see, 14 and 15. All right, so Kavanaugh writes here uh, in his concurrence, because the Constitution is neutral on the issue of abortion, this court also must be scrupulously neutral. Instead of adhering to the Constitution's neutrality, the court in Roe took sides on an issue and unilaterally decreed that abortion was legal throughout the United States up to the point of viability. So what he's, what he's saying is exactly contrary to what um, Breyer saying here, the Oh, goodness gracious. These things are all in a crazy order here. Uh, So that'll be fun. That'll be fun for me to uh, deal with. Uh, But, uh, you did it close? Okay, well, I read it already. You saw it on the screen. Uh, um, uh, Breyer saying that this doesn't, this basically says that the federal government can outlaw abortion. He said there's no language in the decision prohibiting the federal government from doing that. The decision literally prohibits the federal government from doing that. It's saying the Constitution is neutral on this. There is no invisible right to abortion. Um, So we, the nine, you know, Supreme legal scholars, whatever, as Supreme Court justices, we cannot decide on it. We must remain neutral. Even if we were to opine, our opinion means nothing. It's irrelevant. Legislators can do whatever they want. States can do whatever they want. And then he, uh, he being Justice Kavanaugh, he calls out here in Roe, they unilaterally decreed law, okay? They legislated from the bench, which is what made abortion on demand, quote, legal in all states. The Supreme Court decided that. 
The Supreme Court decreed it. I mean, very intentional use of the words unilaterally decreed abortion was legal. This was always supposed to be a state's rights issue. Um, so you you look at all this stuff and they're saying they're taking the power away from you. It's exactly opposite of what's true, guys. Here in the United States, we have 50 states and inside the state, there are all of these ridiculous like municipalities, cities, counting like a, an, a crazy amount of individualness that you can achieve. You know, you're in this district for this, you're in this county for this, you're in... You know, you've got congressional, you've got countywide, you've got city, you've got all of these little municipal rules, laws that you can have. So instead of that infinite opportunity to do as many experiments as you want to see how policies manifest in reality, um, you know, like comparing countries' laws to other countries' laws, you have the freedom to do that type of experimentation within the United States. And for policies, you know, good ideas over a long period of time gaining steam. That's how the constitutional process, that's how this government's supposed to work. We have the opportunity to try our ideas in our communities, in our, in our town, cities, in our counties, that maybe at our state level, maybe regional-wide. And then for those laws to rise to the national debate and to be considered by the federal Congress as federal laws, that's how you can ensure that there's good data to pit bad ideas versus good ideas. So you can see, and Thomas is, Thomas, Clarence Thomas nails this uh, with his third and final point that we'll, we'll get to uh, in a bit here. I did see it up there. I do have it on the screen. Instead, instead of that, that just amazing amount of legislative and procedural diversity, they want homogeneity. Like they just want one homogenous block, not even put out by the federal Congress, but instead, and not legislated, but instead decreed by justices who are not even lawmakers, who are supposed to be, you know, making sure that laws are constitutional. They're, this what happened in Roe v. Wade was actual tyranny, was an unelected, unaccountable body making a law, essentially, um, through decreeing from the bench. That is actual tyranny. There is nothing that you or I can do, aside from physical violence, which is illegal, there's nothing we can do to change a Supreme Court decision. There's nothing we can do... Uh, you know, I guess to quote, hold justices accountable. Their, their career and their grasp of legal concepts, their character, um, their unimpeachable character, all of those things are supposed to be the resume items, building someone up to be worthy of being a Supreme Court justice. Because once you get there, it is a lifetime appointment and you tell the other branches and you can tell the American people, you know, tough crap. You know, I, I'm sorry. This is what the Constitution says. This is what the Constitution does not say. And I mean, Kavanaugh hits the nail on the head here. He, we're also hearing that they're going to outlaw abortion. Okay. Um, and we're hearing things like Kavanaugh wants to make everyone a handmaid's tale birthing slave or whatever. 
Um, if you were to open the opinion, it says right here, and in, in a little bit of a squishy way for my taste, but Kavanaugh writes, to be clear then, the court's decision today does not outlaw abortion. He put it in italics for, I guess, to stand out. So if there were some liberal who stumbled their way into the, the actual opinion so they could see this, does not outlaw abortion throughout the United States. I don't know how he could have made that more clear. It says it right there in plain English. Uh, somehow, somehow, some way, it got all janked up. And, uh, and there was a lot of argument about it, which, which is weird. They're saying he's, he said exactly the opposite of what he's saying. Uh, let's open up 18. I don't know why that closed. All right, so that's that's the Kavanaugh um, opinion. Uh, here's here's some more dissent from Breyer. He says, let's get that added back up to the screen. Um, which is nonsense. And some, none of the cases in the majority cites the analogous cites is analogous to today's decision to overrule 50 and 30 year old watershed constitutional precedents that remain unweakened by any changes in law or fact. Uh, he's saying here that it is incredible that we're overturning a case you know, well-established precedents were overruling it when there have been no changes in law or of fact. That's a really solid argument. If you think that, you know, slavery should still be around. If you think that Jim Crow laws were good, you know, Plessy, Fer uh, Plessy v. Ferguson, uh, which upheld that segregation was constitutional so long they, they made up this is what happens when the Supreme Court makes stuff up. They said, yeah, uh, that's perfectly legal. There just has to be separate but equal accommodations. And they came up with a separate but equal doctrine. Whenever the Supreme Court is pushing stuff out, they're supposed to say, mm, this is the opinion of the court. This is what the Constitution says. So yes, this is legal or no, this is not legal. When the court is throwing out extra stuff, like, ooh, uh, this actually revealed to us that um, there's supposed to be this rule, this doctrine or whatever, that's usually a sign that they're full of it. So what Breyer's arguing here is there have been no changes in law or of fact. So that we shouldn't be overturning this. So had he been on the court for Plessy v. Ferguson, you, you can't overturn that either. There were no changes in law um, or fact, you know, that we should still have whites only, water fountains and blacks only, or colored, you know, it was colored back then. Um, now it's kind of funny. We've, we've come full circle now. It's people of color, persons of color. It's very interesting. Um, it, it, they're circling us back to like being able to say the things that were derogatory back then. Yeah, so this is this is a nonsense argument. There are so many cases where there were no changes in law or of fact. The thing that changed, the thing that actually changed was our understanding of 
the law. Our understanding of, you know, we have these theories of how things will be and we pass the legislation or the Supreme Court throws out a ridiculous, um, not rule, but a, a ridiculous policy from the bench. And then we see the manifestation of those policies in real life. We see Jim Crow laws. We see segregation wreaking havoc on society and not good um, for, you know, for well-ordered liberty. We, we, we can't allow for that kind of thing to go on. And what he's arguing is if there are no changes in law or in fact, and in summary, you know, this is the most important thing. There are no changes in law or in fact, then we can't be overturning stuff like this. So, you know, bring back, that's an argument to bring back some of the worst policies, not implemented by Congress, but decreed on the American people by the federal Congress or by the, the federal Congress, by um, the Supreme Court. Uh, this is, yeah, this is just frustrating. This is just frustrating to look at. Um, I, I do, I got to get to Clarence Thomas before, um, before we run out of time. So let me jump into that. Let's throw this on the screen. Um, probably the juiciest thing in this whole entire thing, um, probably the juiciest thing is Clarence Thomas's concurrence. Um, so this is part of Alito, the actual opinion uh, out by Alito saying the due process clause of the 14th Amendment, uh, that provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution. But any such right must be deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. So Alito here, he is he is hanging his hat on substantive due process. He's, this is the standard that the court uses. Um, this is not... This right is not mentioned in the Constitution. He said, I want to be clear about that. This right is not mentioned in the Constitution. And four rights that are not, four quote, rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, which means that they're made up. Uh, we use substantive due process where they must be deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition and implicit to the concept of ordered liberty. He says the right to abortion does not fall within this category. The right to abort, the quote, right, to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. It's actually the opposite of that. It's been outlawed for many, 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 many years. Um, again, at the time that, uh, uh, not Washington v. Clicksburg, at the time that Roe v. Wade uh, was established um, and, and the Casey decision um, too, there, there were many, many, many states that outlawed abortion or had, you know, very limited um, abortion. Uh, so then enter in like the most gangster justice opinion that I've ever seen, um, Clarence Thomas. And Clarence Thomas's his opinion, like his his concurrence is very short. I highly recommend you read it. Uh, he says in here, either way, the due process clause at most guarantees process. That's talking about that stuff that goes on in the courtroom. That's talking about the burden of evidence. That's talking about uh, warrants and charges being filed, the right to face your accusers, your Fifth Amendment. You don't have to uh, give testimony against yourself. That process, someone slanders you, you can sue them. 
Um, we just had the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial and all of that nonsense. That process is being a form. That's what the due process clause is for. Um, Thomas goes on and says, it does not as the court's substantive due process case cases suppose forbid the government to infringe certain quote fundamental liberty interest at all, no matter what process is provided. What he's <laughs> it's funny because this is legalese here, but what he's saying is substantive due process does not exist. It's something that the court made up to give ourselves, to give themselves at the time, uh, more power and authority. Uh, and it's not constitutional. Why is the third one there first? Okay, let's get these in order. Um, so, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, again, not some judge, okay? The the senior most justice on the Supreme Court, not the chief, chief justice, but the senior most regular justice, uh, if you are saying that there's no such thing as substantive due process. There's no there there. You have you have the rights that are implicitly stated in the Constitution uh, and everything else. There's no secret map. They don't give out decoder rings. They don't give out the Ben Franklin National Treasure glasses. The Constitution says what it says, means what it says, and everything. And we will tell you if it is constitutional or isn't constitutional. If a question um, of such legitimacy arises in constitutional matters. Outside of that, you state you can do virtually anything, unlimited creative legislative um, power and authority, and driven by the people. You you can do your state can be as awesome, as productive, as future focused, whatever as you want within the confines of the Constitution, which is limited in scope, like the government's power, limited in scope, um, you can do anything unless the Supreme Court gives ourselves authority to decree things over the people, to limit the freedoms, to limit the imaginative ability of states based on made-up rights that only the nine of us can see and only the nine of us can say is good or bad or right or wrong. Exactly the opposite of what the news is saying, exactly the opposite of what the left is saying, exactly the opposite of what Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and all of these crazy radical liberals are saying, you know, he's going to be in your bedroom, the government's going to be in this, the government's... He's saying, no, at most, the state is going to be in your whatever, whatever, and the state's not interested in doing that. Where you have the influence... Clarence Thomas doesn't have any influence in your state. I have more influence in the state of Virginia than Clarence Thomas. Like, I literally do. Yeah, well, well I don't know. Does he live here? Hmm. He might live here. We, so we might be equal uh, in that. But, you know, you, wherever you live, you have more influence and in policy in your state um, and your locality than any of these Supreme Court justices unless they take that authority away from you and say, we get to decide through dictate. Um, People are saying that the Supreme Court is empowering themselves, that the, that the five conservative justices are taking over. They're making themselves you know, demigods. They're making themselves kings and a queen. Uh, that's not true. One, this is the most diverse, you know, diversity champion. This is the most diverse Supreme Court that's ever existed. Multiple women, multiple ethnicities, 
um, you know, the Hispanic community represented, the black community represented, even age-wise. This is the most diverse uh, Supreme Court in the history of the United States. And they're saying, no, uh, the nine old white male justice configuration, they're the ones who knew best. We need to go back to uh, what they said. You know, who cares what this white woman thinks? Who cares what this black man thinks? It's, it's really interesting. It's antithetical to all of the leftist lunacy that they try and promote. Um, but even on its face, it's a lie. They're, they can't be giving themselves more power. And the mechanism by which they are giving themselves more power is saying the states got to decide. That's exactly the opposite of the Supreme Court empowering themselves. The Supreme Court could say the states don't get to decide. We get to decide. Clarence Thomas could say, you don't get to decide. I get to decide. I'm a Supreme Court justice. Instead, he's saying the design of the government is such that you get to decide virtually everything. And when there is a question of constitutionality in that very limited, that very narrow field, I get a say in a democratic process called the Supreme Court where there are nine votes and I get one. It doesn't get more democratic. They're saying our democracy is dying. Our democracy is in danger. One, the Supreme Court is a democratic process. The, the Supreme Court is actually a pure democracy. There are nine people. Each one gets a vote. Popular vote always wins. There's no electoral college within the Supreme Court. Everyone got a vote. Your side lost. You can't say that this is anti-democracy when nine people vote, you know, uh, six to three. And now you're upset because the, the numbers didn't fall in your favor. That, this is acceptable for Hillary Clinton to do and say there's a stolen election. This is acceptable for Stacey Abrams. It's a crime. It's treason. It's insurrection. Um, it's a threat to democracy if a conservative does this, makes this type of complaint. If the Supreme Court had decided exactly the opposite, a 6-3 decision upholding Roe, uh, for us to say that this is an attack against democracy is demonstrably false. They voted, okay? There were cases that got kicked up to the Supreme Court who voted very democratically, and they voted not in favor of what I would have liked. Like, your argument still has to be sound. It needs to be logically sound when you don't win. Sorry, that, that's the way that this works. Um, Clarence Thomas went on. Is my screen sharing? Perfect. Clarence Thomas went on to say that there were really three big issues. First, substantive due process, ex process exalts judges at the expense of the people from whom they derive their authority. Just like I said a moment ago, substantive due process says that me as a judge or me as a justice, I get to decide and dispatch my decisions out over the people, just decree here from the bench. Uh, and he's saying that the people are the ones where justices, where judges derive their authority, the people are the ones where, are the people whom with that authority lawfully lies. And, you know, it's interesting. Clarence Thomas didn't make that up. Do you know where it says that? In the Constitution, not in the invisible text or the subheaders or on the treasure map. In the actual text that you and I can read, it says that these just powers come from the people and are justly given to the government, to these three ban branches, branches, goodness gracious, 
substantive due process exalts judges, of which Clarence Thomas is a judge. He's he's saying, hey, guys, this actually gives me more power than I lawfully have. This is like... Um, this is like George Washington, who everyone wanted to make a king. This is like George Washington stepping down, not running for president again, um, saying, hey, you know, there should be term limits, and, and I'm going to set the example. This is like George Washington announcing that I am effectively resigning as president of the United States, and um, people should only be allowed to serve two terms to be president for a total of eight years in these United States. This is like people looking at that and saying, George Washington is stealing power and imposing his will on the people by stepping down from president. Before this decision, Clarence Thomas had the power. He had the authority. The Supreme Court had the authority to decree what they wanted through the made-up nonsense fairy tale of substantive due process. He's saying, we don't have that authority. We need to stop doing it. Uh, he goes on to say, second, substantive due process distorts other areas of constitutional law. Uh, for example, once the court identifies a fundamental right, uh, one class of individuals and invokes the Equal Protection Clause to demand exacting scrutiny of statutes that deny the rights of others. So the substantive due process turns equality on its head. It as a concept, it in as a concept, how it manifests in reality is it infringes on the rights of others and it triggers, it triggers the series of events because of this substantive right. Uh, because of this substantive right, this gets triggered, that gets triggered, we have to do this mechanism, uh, that mechanism. There's a lot that you can dive in uh, into that concept as well. Woo, we are uh, three minutes out. Um, so maybe we'll pick that one back up at another time. Uh, but this, this is the one. Uh, his, his third and final point, you know, th this attack against the uh, this attack, th this calling it what it is, this made-up right of substantive due process. He says, third, and this, to me, this is the linchpin, other, other than the fact that it doesn't exist and substantive due process is bunk. Like, they should have never... It, what a play for the Supreme Court to empower themselves to do more than uh, than the Constitution allows them to do. Like, <laughs> what a group that put that in there. Substantive due process is often wielded to disastrous ends. That is it right there. And he, he cites some of those disastrous ends right there. Um, Obergefell, Dred Scott decision. You know, does that one ring a bell to anyone? When substantive due process, where where unelected officials get to legislate from the bench and create policy to create to create enforceable laws it can and does have disastrous consequences okay when when uh oh gosh i just forgot the the case it just got overturned when roe v wade is decided um when the casey decision decided roe v wade 
when they come up with the made-up right to abortion through substantive due process, it resulted in some 60, 70 million babies aborted. That is a disastrous end. Like, that is an unimaginably disastrous end. The Dred Scott decision, <laughs> it wasn't unimaginably disastrous like, like abortion on demand, but it's, it's pretty disastrous. And I, I'm so, I'm glad that he put that point third because when the court legislates things, you know, when Congress legislates things, if, if they legislated some absurd rule and it had disastrous consequences, that person's career is over. You are no longer making laws. Your policies suck. Uh, unless you're a Democrat, then you just get away with it over and over and over again. Um, but substantive due process manifests in reality in disastrous ends to which there is no appeal, there's no check, there's no power of the people that can come and change that disastrous end, that disastrous outcome. Whatever is happening, no matter how bad, how ugly, um, how terrible uh, for civilization, when it's decreed by the Supreme Court, that disastrous consequence you're stuck with. Um, this is not, I, I can't say it enough times, this is not outlawing abortion. This is doing what should have always been done and saying that abortion uh, is, is in the legal sense, what should have been done. Abortion is uh, a state's right constitutionally. What should be done is they, they need to recognize, forget this viability nonsense, they need to recognize as science is steadily moving towards life begins at conception, period. Uh, sperm, meat, egg, gamete, boom. This is a human life. It's only going to turn into a human baby. Um, and it, it, it needs to be uh, outlawed completely. That's my personal opinion. That is a scientific opinion. It's also a closely held religious belief. Um, you know, everyone's... Uh, I mentioned this at the top of the show, but whenever we make a little bit of progress here, it's it's like Dave Ramsey says, you know, Dave Ramsey says, I'm not Christian enough for the Christians and I'm too Christian. I'm too religious for the non-Christians. You know, people are upset because he, he curses on the show occasionally. Uh, he usually says bitch and whine, uh, usually about, he doesn't present it this way, but about really leftist policies and socialist type policies and um, how people bitch and whine about uh, not having things that they haven't worked for, they haven't saved, and they they whine about being victims of the choices that they made and the natural consequences of that. Spending more than you make, you spend more than you make, and you do that for any length of time, then you have earned yourself astronomical debt, and then you whine about it. This is your astronom uh, astronomical debt. You had to work for it. It's yours. It's not ours. We didn't do that. You know, I don't have this mountain of debt. You have this mountain of debt. Um, so in the same way with abortion laws, legislators, governors, executives, they're facing those same types of battles, not religious enough for the Christians and too religious for non-Christians. You guys need to wake up. And you guys, I'm specifically talking to Christians. What do we want? We want there to be no abortion. We want abortion to be outlawed. If you allow that desire 
to stop you from supporting legislation that takes it from abortion on demand up into and including the moment of birth down to 15 weeks. You are an idiot, okay? Uh, Glenn Youngkin has signaled that he will support, that he wants to sign into law in Virginia uh, limiting abortion down to 15 weeks. Support the bill. I'm Joe Mobley. I'm a Christian male. I support the bill. I'm glad that Glenn Youngkin has has put that out uh, from his office. Sorry, guys, I'm getting a bunch of text. Hopefully you're not hearing that in the microphone. I support that legislative effort. I want that to happen. I want it to go down to zero weeks. There's no such thing as abortion in the state of Virginia, in the United States. But I'll definitely take going from you know, post-birth abortion or up until nine months or eight or six or whatever, down to 15 weeks. Yeah, I'll take that every day. You know, that that's a good bet. I'm taking it. It kind of reveals one of the lies about, I, I have to say this, where I'm going to go a few minutes over. There are so many lies around abortion in the United States. You look and it'll say something like six out of 10 or seven out of 10 or eight out of 10 people support abortion in these straw polls. And the way that the polls are presented is uh, the question will be like, hey, do you support a woman's right to choose? You say yes. And then boom, it, it, that means that you support abortion up until and including the moment of birth, that you support uh, post-birth abortions and whatever that is going to turn into you know, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, maybe maybe it's like a year policy. Up until the baby's first birthday, you can bring them back in and have them executed by a doctor. Uh, they use the straw poll, the one question, do you support a woman's right to choose to say that you support abortion at all ages, at all phases of gestation? That's not true. When you open up the policy and that Democrats, liberals never want to talk about the particulars, to talk about the numbers of abortions happening uh, after four months, after six months, at eight and nine months. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to show the videos of the process. Um, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's going to remove fetal tissue. It's like, no, it's, it's a vacuum that's going to tear the baby apart limb by limb, ripping off body pieces uh, that are that are going to bleed. You can see the baby moving, trying to get away from this thing that is tearing it apart. Uh, they never want to talk about that. They also never want to talk about the 15 weeks. Oh, oh, oh well, what? Where do we get 15 weeks from? The United States is the only country with this ridiculous abortion on demand for weeks and weeks and months and months. Okay, in in Europe, they're like, oh, well. You know, they'll, they'll champion the European Union. They'll champion these European countries. They all have abortion. They do all have abortion. Do you know when it's illegal to have an abortion in Europe? After 15 weeks. That's the standard over there. Don't make this false equivalency that these other countries allow you to abort, you know, three months, four months, five months, six months, up until the moment of birth. No, that's not true. That is a lie. They're intentionally keeping that information from you uh, so that they can keep saying the lie about, you know, Handmaid's Tale. Look, just like with the transgender debate, I don't want to see your genitals. Oh, they want, every, they want everyone to have to show their... No, <laughs> we don't want to see your genitals. We just don't want to play make-believe with you. The same thing with the abortion. No one's going to be forcing you to have sex or forcing you not to have sex with anyone. No one's going to be forcing you to get pregnant. That's not, this is not a, an insemination, you know, uh, assembly line where we're 
capturing women off the street and pumping them through a conveyor belt and impregnating them and making them have babies against their will. That's not what this is. We're saying that you need to make appropriate personal choices to prevent pregnancy, which could include abstinence, you know, celibacy, or could include using condoms or hormonal birth control or whatever, okay? Um, no interest in being in your bedroom, no interest in knowing uh, the types of sex that you have or with whom that you have it with, no interest. Just saying that the Constitution doesn't say, as, as Chief Justice, or Chief Justice, as uh, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas noted, the Constitution doesn't protect the right, doesn't, doesn't name the right of gay sex, of sodomy, of uh, abortion, um, all of these cases, uh, um, contraception. The Constitution, there's no constitutional basis for it. The Constitution is, as Brett Kavanaugh said, neutral, neither for nor against, not promoting or outlawing. It's not restricting in any way. What does restrict in every way is the legal doctrine that is substantive due process. It's extra constitutional bullcrap. I hope and pray that this opinion is just the beginning of unraveling this bad law, okay? I'm so glad that Roe v. Wade is overturned. I'm so glad that abortions are going to become, you know what? It's interesting. They're going to probably become safe, legal, and rare, which was the big lie that the left put out. And they went from safe, legal, and rare to abortion on demand up to and including the moment of birth and after birth in about five minutes. And that's why we're in this mess. That's why they're starting to lose the culture war. Because when we show you this stuff, these videos and the reality that, hey, these other countries don't have abortion like we do. It, it's incredible. Um, they lie about everything. They lied about the gun violence. We are not the only place that has mass shootings. We are not the only place that has mass shootings in school. Uh, we're, we're not the number one most violent country. We're about 83, 84, 85. They lie about all this stuff. Oh, this is restrictive. This is setting us back to the Stone Age. Look, the European Union, they all have abortion. We have abortion at 15 weeks and just about everywhere. And I think the Mississippi case was actually trying to set it to something like 15 weeks. Uh, it might have been shorter. It might have been like 11 or 12. I, but I think it's 15. And I know there'll be some fact checker um, out there. Uh, so didn't use a lot of my notes. Let me look at this and see if I left anything juicy out. Da, 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 da. Uh, yes, CNN are idiots. Um, if I didn't say that, sorry, it's in my notes. I should say that. Da, 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 da. Um, I said this plenty of times, but this is setting the court back in its proper place. The Supreme Court is supposed to be determining the constitutionality of laws, not creating made-up concepts like substantive due process. Um, prayer, no language. There's the... I, honestly, sometimes I'm surprised by how amazingly stupid some of the things... Um, that these, you know, they've got to be incredible, incredibly bright, you know, like Sonia Sotomayor, we disagree about most everything, but she's got to, in, in terms of intellectual capacity, she's got to be pretty darn smart, you know, right? Uh, hmm. 
All right. So this this is actually pretty important. Um, so remembering that Brayer, uh, did I close that? Uh, saying there's no language in today's decision to stop the federal government from prohibiting abortions nationwide. That's not true. The decision literally says that the federal government cannot uh, legislate abortion. That's what this decision means. The government cannot, the federal government cannot constitutionally legislate abortion because it is a right that belongs to the states. It, it's a legal question that belongs to the states. Um, Brett Kavanaugh signaled that he doesn't want to hear a personhood case. I disagree. I I am very upset about that. You know, no qualms there. Kavanaugh, you got that wrong. You are being a squish. The personhood is what needs to be argued. And that is what's going to get um, abortion outlawed in the United States. Abortion will be outlawed in the United States at some point. Sorry, guys. That's what's going to happen because it's murder. It's murder of a child. It's murder of a baby, um, a, a living human being. Um, but, you know, he signaled in his opinion, he does not want to hear a case, a challenge to get it down further to, to outlaw abortion based on personhood, um, based on 14th Amendment protections, uh, you know, the right to life. Uh but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the quality of the reasoning. Um, you know, when 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 uh, Bri was saying that there's no change in law or fact, and, and I, I went off on the tangent saying that's a terrible legal standard because that means like Plessy v. Ferguson, um, there were no changes of, of law or fact. So that case should be re-overturned or whatever, you know, put, put Jim Crow back, put segregation, uh, separate but equal doctrine, bring it back. Uh, the standard that they're supposed to be using is the quality of the reasoning. Um, the quality of the reasoning of the ruling is the standard that the court uses to change rules, to change rulings, to overturn a case. So, gosh, I'm not explaining this well. When we say, hey, you know, this, what was settled law, what was established case precedent by the Supreme Court, something that a previous Supreme Court has decided. When we say, hey, we think that's a bad ruling, we want to challenge it. We don't have to challenge it on the basis of changes in law or in fact. There's a new law on the books or a law went away or there are new facts to the case. That's not the standard for raising the challenge and that's not the standard for the court to overturn the ruling. The standard is the quality of the reasoning. That's what Clarence Thomas's really, his concurrence is all about. The quality of the reasoning is bad. The quality of the reasoning is made up. It, it's actually not quality reasoning at all. It, it, it sucks. It's substantive due process. He's saying as an attorney, as a judge, as a Supreme Court justice, I don't know what that is. It, it's, it's made up. It was made up by this body, you know, before he was on it. Um, it doesn't appear in the Constitution. It's not constitutional. It is a made-up apparatus by which we give ourselves more power. Um, I don't believe that he said this in his opinion, but it's important to note that changes of law, in fact, are not the standard, the quality of the reasoning, right? That's why philosophizing is important. That's why being the reasoning being, being able um, to, to make good, well-formed argument that are logically sound and that there's you know, there's a there there. This is a not just a reasonable, but a well-reasoned argument. That's why uh, that's important. 
Um, so I'm seeing that I did miss a couple things from my notes. Maybe I'll drop them in shorter segments uh, or, or something like that a little bit later. Uh, but I'm at an hour and 15 and I am, I'm going to call it a show. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the Joe Mobley show. Uh, I am Joe Mobley. If you like the show, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Uh, if you're a podcast listener, man, I would love for you to rate the show. You know, five-star ratings only, guys. Um, go ahead and leave me a review, especially if you're going to give me one through four stars. Give me a comment. Leave me a review. Let me know uh, what I can do to up my game to make the show and make the content uh, more enjoyable for you. Um, if you're watching this on any of the other platforms, make sure that you like, share it with someone who you know will like this content, or maybe someone that this type of content will challenge uh, their beliefs. Well, they'll say, you know, maybe this is an argument that you haven't heard, or maybe this is uh, a representation of the argument in, in, in a nuanced way that maybe you'll uh, respond to. You can always support the show. One, liking, sharing, subscribing, that is awesome support, you know. Uh, you being subscribed and engaging with the show wherever you watch it, listen to it, whatever, that helps me out tremendously. That tells these algorithms, hey, you like this, maybe other people will like it too, and it gets shown to them. Um, so please, please do, don't think that liking, sharing, subscribing is is not enough. It is. It It, it does a tremendous amount. Um, if you are just all in, you really support uh, me on this content creation journey, you can go over to djomobleyshow.com. Uh, there are a whole bunch of ways that you can support there. Um, there's this whole shop where you can get awesome, uh, awesome merchandise. You can, you can give financial support. My cash app is right there. But if you go to djomobleyshow.com slash support, uh, you can see all the ways that you can give support and help me uh, continue to make this awesome content, or you can become a local subscriber. And guys, I have been failing to get this out there. The reason that I have a locals um, and a big part, yes, locals is locals is a social media app just focused on content creators and consumers alike. So you know it it considers things that other social media apps don't consider. Uh, but the big thing, the thing that Jordan Peterson and, and Dave Rubin were kind of talking, the big thing that got them started on that journey is Patreon um, and PayPal. And, and these guys, they deplatform people that they disagree with. They strip their livelihood away. You know, you can have an audience of millions. You can have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of patrons in Patreon uh, that offer financial support to what you're doing. And Patreon is a private company. They can say, I disagree with your whatever. I don't like that you wear a red MAGA hat. I don't like that you voted for Trump or whatever. They can just, they don't have to give any reason. They can just cut that off. Boom, gone. Um, that is why Locals is important. Locals has the Patreon kind of feature where you can become a supporter. There are different levels and the different levels of supporters get different stuff. And that's something that honestly, I don't think that I've ever said on the show. It's been like 18 months of, of doing this. Um, that's what Locals is all about. It's not like, hey, go out and get another social media app. It's that Locals is a freedom-minded Patreon uh, where the rules that you have to abide by are the laws of the United States. That's it. Um, so anyway, that's uh, something that's available to you guys uh, easiest way to do it, you can download the Locals app on Android, on iOS. You can search for Joe Mobley. 
on there, or you can go to thejoemobleyshow.com slash locals. Again, the show uh, is presented by Birch Gold. Uh, MyPillow is also a sponsor of the show. You can get my discount code is Mobley. So you can use promo code Mobley anywhere at checkout on MyPillow, or you can skip the promo code and go to MyPillow.com slash Mobley. Um, I, oh, I, here, let me read this really quick. Johnny Gordon, uh, I may understand, I may understand if a proven rape case, something like that or death of the mother, but the problem is they are aborting fully developed babies. And I think the adrenochrome industry is very real. Uh, scary. I may not have spelled that right. That's fine. I probably didn't say it right. Uh, I will say that I agree. Um, and the interesting thing is, well, no, I, I don't agree with the rape and incest uh, carve-outs, exceptions. Um, and there, there's, you know, there's solid reason for that for me. Um, because a life is life is life. So for me, as, as a Christian man, the consequence of one cannot re or the the sin of someone, the wrongdoing of one should never result in the harm of another. Um, where it, it's it's almost hard to to conceptualize this, but like um, like say you're in a place that doesn't have welfare, um, maybe for some reason this state or this country doesn't abide by the principles that we do of welfare where we should promote or we should provide for the orphan, for the widow, for people that are um, downtrodden, whatever. We should provide for them either permanently or for some period of time while they get back on their feet. Say a place does not abide by that. Um, bad guy comes in, kills mom and dad, and now there's a three-month-old baby there the child shouldn't be allowed to be killed or left to starve uh, or discarded socially um, to die because of this bad thing that someone else did. Um, and it, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to conceptualize that, but um, it's a life. So if a woman is in my belief, Joe Mobley opinion here, um, I think that the only conversation worth having is life of the mother. Um, so, you know, serious health reason, ectopic pregnancy or something like that. Um, you know, extremely rare uh, circulatory syndromes or disease or whatever, but something where, hey, if you try and have this baby, you will die. The baby will die. Good chance we, we can't save either one of you, that kind of thing. Um, that's the only time that I would be interested in even having a dialogue about it. Um, otherwise, it's a child. Uh, the, this, the incestuous conversation is very interesting. Um, and the same thing with rape, because pregnancy as the result of rape and incest is exceedingly rare. They use it as an argument because uh, we're we're talking about less than it's either less than one percent or less than two percent of all abortions. I think it's less than one percent of all abortions um, are are gotten into as the result of incest or rape. Um, so, like Stephen Crowder often says, "Hey, would you be okay if we if we allowed 
abortion on demand for rape and incest and we got rid of other abortion. And then the leftists will say, well, no, of course not. It's still the woman's right to decide. Then why even say rape and incest? Why even say it's a talking point is why they say it. It's not a sincere, it's what's called a bad faith argument where you put something on the table for us to waste time arguing about, but you entered into that conversation in bad faith. You had no intention of changing your position or being open to laws that would allow for abortion on demand in the case of rape and incest or abortion on demand up until the moment of birth in the the case of rape and incest. Um, Also, it should definitely be more appropriately called rape it should just be called rape because incest, you know, if brother and sister are getting it on because they're weirdos like that, and I don't know, maybe they're trying to get their European style on, um, and they get pregnant, too bad, so sad. Like, it's not, we shouldn't be able to exterminate life because these weirdos wanted to screw their cousin or or because someone, like, it's, I, I understand as someone who's worked literally in in sex crimes work and human trafficking for a long time, I understand how abhorrent, how terrible and tragic um, sexual crimes are. Uh, But still, you know, you look, you look at these people who um, survived abortion or who know that through circumstance that their parent seriously considered, maybe their parent even spoke to them about considering abortion uh, no one regrets the decision to have the child. When there's that 15-year-old, that 20-year-old, that 25-year-old, there are the graduations and the weddings and the grandkids. None of those people, zero of them, look at this living, breathing human being and regret that decision. Um, the vast majority of people that have abortions regret that decision. It goes back to the Hollywood thing. You look at all of those scenes and every action up into leading into the abortion and coming out of the abortion is just like funeral scenes. It's what it is. It's death. Um, Yeah. And adrenochrome. Yeah. I think that's a real thing too. Uh, They'll call us conspiracy theorists. It's, it's whatever. Um, Yeah. But you know, so I guess I half agree uh, with you on that. So with that guys, that is the show. Um, connect with me on all of the things, use all of the discounts. I don't even know what they are. I think freedom and, uh, no CRT for me and all that stuff. Uh, big thanks to virtual for putting on the show. Big thanks to my pillow for being a sponsor of the show. Guys, that is all I have. I hope to see you in the next one. Uh, we've got some awesome guests on the docket this week. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joe Mobley show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.